I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Kento by Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and joining me today, as always, is my friend Emily Lind. Hi, Emily. Hi, Brittany. How are you? I am doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's Tuesday. The weather is under 70 degrees, so that means it's finally getting cold in, in San Diego. And I forgot how cold it gets in San Diego. So I walk out in the mornings and I'm like, Wow, it's cold. I need to run to my car and and get my butt heater so that I can get warm. I'm so happy. It's like been in like the 60s and stuff. So it's perfect jacket weather. And I love my jacket. I have a big like oversized like army jacket that I got from my sister-in-law as a hand-me-down. And I love it. And it's covered in buttons. And I love that too. Or badges, as some people insist on, including some by our friend Chris Hall, who is awesome, and you should check him out on Twitter and Instagram because he's doing Inktober and he's doing like horror slash villains, and I'm very excited about it. And he's done lots of cool things, including the Christopher Lee Jack- Dracula and the uh, Peter Cushing Van Helsing. Yeah, man, Chris Hall's the best. It's always a good day when I see some Chris Hall art on my timeline. And it's been good and spooky. And it's just like the right amount of spooky where it's not like too spooky. It it fits. It, it's all connected. I'm still waiting for him to draw the Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters because I think he's a villain because I don't understand his existence in that movie or just the existence of that movie in general. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not that bad. I mean, he's, uh, I, mean I, I mean, you would definitely call him like a monster. So I think he could be done. He also did. Did mm-hmm. you see the count from Sesame Street? That was a very good one. That was a very good one. I saw Tony Soprano too, and yeah. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy." Like, I I get this reference. Yeah, and he did Polly. Ugh, so much fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. So, how have you been doing? What's uh, been going on in the world of Emily? Um, you know, not a lot. Watching. Ted Lasso and Bake Off, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Last night, I watched the original John Carpenter Halloween. Um, Oh, I saw... So Sunday, um, my friend Steve, who I used to do the um, Vin Diesel and Fast and the Furious podcast with, um, 
he reserved a private theater so we could go see Venom 2 together because he has a little baby and obviously a little baby cannot get vaccinated. So they are being very careful about, you know, anything with crowds. So there were just, and it turned out to be surprisingly affordable to just rent an AMC theater for a screening. Um, there were seven of us and it only cost us $30 a person, which seems super cheap for like, not just renting a theater, but renting a theater for a first run, like big theatrical movie. And I got to say, it might have spoiled me forever because now I don't want to see a movie any other way. <laughs> because <laughs> because you don't have to worry about anybody with their phones out or anything like that. But also it meant that like Steve and I could cackle wildly and cheer without making other people hate us. Um, and also it was a, the movie's tons of fun. It's only 90 minutes, which is exactly how long a Venom movie should be. Uh, Woody Harrelson, although sadly they don't have him in the Ronald McDonald wig that he had at the end of Venom 1. Uh, he is still doing the ridiculous accent and is having so much fun as Cassidy. And so much of the movie is Venom and Eddie bickering. And it's just like about their relationship. And it is all of the subtext of the like gayness of that relationship is uh, pretty much just text. And it's brilliant. And Andy Serkis like knows how to direct a movie. Like the stuff moves. There's lots of funny stuff. The act you can actually tell what the action sequences are. That was a big problem in the first movie. I like I like that for first movie quite a bit, but A, it's too long, and B, because the other symbiote is also just a black goo monster. It's just two black goo monsters fighting in the dark and you cannot tell what's going on. But Circus is a pretty good director and also Carnage is red and much bigger than Venom. So you can actually, you know, track things. And I did not get spoiled for the end credit scene. And I cannot believe I didn't get spoiled for the end credit scene because the end credit scene is huge. And like Steve and I both just like gasped in the theater. <laughs> it, um, I mean, God, how long has the movie been out? Is it okay to talk about the spoiler? Uh, probably not because it's only been out like a week. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait because, yeah, I, I looked it up too because I know I'm not going to see Venom, but I was I was surprised Rusty and Carlos saw it last Tuesday, and I was surprised that they weren't spoiled by it beforehand. So well, that's that's good that people can stay quiet about things. I what a concept that is! Like I don't think that exists in Star Wars culture. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean I've been spoiled for like it was like hard to avoid spoilers for like the Marvel TV shows and stuff, and I just like. I, I was I was avoiding like I wasn't reading any reviews or anything for Venom 2 just because I'm like this I just want this is a movie that means a lot to me it is my friendship with Steve in a nutshell like we bonded so hard over this ridiculous movie and I just want to watch it and I don't care what anybody thinks about it so I'd been but I didn't have you know like keywords muted or anything so 
I was pleased. And also, I got to meet Steve's adorable little baby. He brought the baby? No, he did not. (laughs) We met up at the apartment beforehand. And then afterwards, um, we went to the park for lunch. And Anne brought the baby. (laughs) Why does everybody, as soon as I say, I also meet the baby. Like, Fresh did the same thing to me, which is they brought the baby to the movie. And I'm like, no, people can do things before or after going to a movie. I don't know, man. I I know a person that brought their, like, three-week-old baby to a Beyonce concert. So (sighs) that seems bad for the baby's ears. They did the like the headphones thing, but I don't know how well those headphones like really work. So you you truly never know until you are a baby and you have the headphones <laughs> on. And I'm too old for that, so I'll never know. But I mean, look, if you are gonna bring a baby to the movie theater, private screening is the only way to do it. Because I know when I was seeing, it would have been one of the Raimi Spider-Man movies, I think. I think it was two. It might have been three, but it was that long because I was seeing it with with my um, brother, like back in, when we were living in Indiana. So it was a while ago. So it had to be one of the Raimi ones. But somebody had their fucking baby in the movie, and it started to cry because, of course, it did because it's a a baby and two a babe. I went just went from a to two, but that's how annoyed I still <laughs> am when I think about this. But it went, you know, it's a baby, and it is a baby in a very loud sudden you know like hearing explosions and shit like obviously the baby's not watching the movie and getting scared but it is hearing lots of loud random sounds not the like i don't care like it's not the baby's fault but fuck those parents that reminds me of on saturday when i was trying on some fucking jeans at old navy someone left their baby right in front of my dressing room so i opened the door and there's the baby so i trip (laughs) fucking hurt my foot and the foot that's already been hurt. Dude, I swear to God, I was like just, I was digging around the other night doing laundry. I I hit the, the wall with my pinky toe or something. And like the whole like right, what, what is this? My left hand? Okay. The left <laughs> side of my foot is just like all bruised up. <laughs> like it's horrible. Like I could, I could barely put on shoes on Friday. They got him okay. But of course it had to be that fucking foot that some lady left her fucking baby in front of the dressing room. I'm still mad about that. So yeah. That is, be better. I mean, that is absolutely annoying, and I would be pissed. But there is just something very funny about tripping over a baby. I didn't trip over the baby though. <laughs> like I tripped in the dressing room trying to avoid the baby, and I, I avoid the you, baby. You, you tripped over a baby, and that's funny to me. Ugh, <laughs> uh, I know. I'm trying. Babies. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to think if anything else happened. Did you trip over any babies? No. Oh, my uh, my Hot Toys Armorer arrived today. I have not opened it to- yet, so it's still, it is not just still in the box, but still like in the shipping box. And as soon as we're done podcasting, I'm going to open it because I'm very, very excited. Because the Armorer is awesome. No, that's nice. And all you. What are you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, I also, I had a bunch of, points from sideshow so i only paid for shipping so i got the armor for i think 17 dollars that's not bad 
It's a pretty good price for a $250 figure. Yeah. Oh, you have a lot of points. It, that Mendo probably uh, did you some points. Well, because you get, I mean, obviously you get points if you spend money, but also they do like events like several times a year where they like give out points if you sign up for the event or they'll do trivia and you get points for participating. And, you know, sometimes it'll only be like two bucks, but over a year or two, if you're doing that, you know, several times a year, it all adds up. Like I, even after, you know, I bought that Mandalorian, I think in like June, it went up for pre-order and I already have another 170 some dollars worth of points. So as soon as they finally put Cobb Vanth up for pre-order, that's what I'm going with. Unless the face sculpt looks like shit because they haven't shown the face sculpt yet. Or even announced that there is one. They've just showed like the helmet head. But I'm not going to get it if there's not a Timothy Oliphant head. Or if the Timothy Oliphant head looks like shit. Yeah, it's it's not worth it if it looks like shit. You should get one of those like cardboard like cutouts. I swear <laughs> to God, like the mall that I go to, they have like one of those like comic book sh- stores. And you just see him just every time I walk by. Like no one's bought him yet. I think he's like waiting to get shipped to New York or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll go in there and I'll ask him. I'll, I'll ask. I'll be like, do you want me to ship you to <laughs> New York for a very special person? I'll just put him, named Emily Lynn. put him right at the foot of my bed. That'd be nice to wake up to every morning. <laughs> or like tape him to the ceiling. Yeah, that's that's weird. It reminds me of when Carlos used to live on his own. He uh, mounted his TV on the ceiling. <laughs> and it's like, I swear, like nothing has made me question anything in the world more than a television mounted onto the ceiling. Because number one, why? Also, I would just constantly be worrying about it falling. Yeah, he, he's really good at that. Like two of or he has many great attributes and many great traits. And one of the things he is very good at is mounting things and moving. He was a really good mover. And he hates when I talk about this or when anyone does, because he hates that he's so good on something that he hates so much. But he he's fantastic at it. But he's really good at mounting things like I, if he started like a TV mounting or just a mounting business, like that would be great. Like I would support the shit out of that. I mean, he's already ordained minister, so might as well add that to the to I, the cue card. I like that in your head. That is a natural combination: ordained minister slash TV installer. I mean, those are both useful skills, but I would not necessarily think oh since you're already an ordained minister you you might as well (laughs) well i look at it as what if you were getting married and you're just moving like wouldn't it be nice to like have someone to help you out with that and then even better someone who can marry you guys like (laughs) it's like a (laughs) two-in-one yeah but you're probably not doing it like on the same day Oh, definitely not. I mean, who knows? Like, maybe this couple, like, wants to get married, like, really fast or something. Like, you you never know the circumstances. 
of two or more human beings. So like it's like if you do both, you get like a special deal? Perhaps. I'd, I'd have to ask him what he thinks about it because uh, he's he wants a good deal and he appreciates a good deal. So yeah, maybe I would say like probably like 35 to 40% off your purchase if you do both in one day. But then like everyone would want to get married and have their TVs <laughs> mounted in a day. So that's just going to be like this weird thing that's going to start in society where all of a sudden people really want to get married but also really want to get their TVs mounted on the same day. <laughs> Oh my god. Brittany, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. I know. Uh, if only he was listening in on this conversation, but him and my dad and Rusty are um, seeing James Bond right now, which I'm thrilled. I don't have to sit in a movie theater for 15 hours to watch a film franchise that I have never seen. I've seen clips, never, you, just never you, been interested in James Bond. I look, I've seen a lot of James Bond movies. And some of them I like, and some of them I don't. And I fucking love Daniel Craig. I mean, first of all, he's an amazing actor. Oh, I'm seeing him in Macbeth on Broadway uh, next year. Very excited. Fuck yeah. Very, very excited for that. But, I mean, I have like a seat literally in the back row of the balcony. But that's because when Daniel Craig is in Macbeth on Broadway, it's really fucking expensive. But (laughs) anyway, I, and I love spy shit. Love it. One of my favorite things, gloves by shit. I find James Bond, by and large, to be incredibly boring. Yeah, I I semi agree. Like I think it's like almost too cheesy, but like I love Sean Connery. Like I I love Sean Connery. Like Daniel Craig is fine. Um, I always forget that he's married to Rachel Weisz, and I think that's like such like an underrated Hollywood power couple. But, yeah, I just, I'm not into it. And I feel bad, too, because, you know, Carlos had made, like, this, uh, like, compilation, like, video for me to watch to, you know, just to find out what's happened in the last, like, couple James Bond movies. It felt bad that he put, like, effort into, hey, I know you're going to go see this. But then I'm like, well, that just means that we can watch all the Bond movies together. (laughs) I, I, I can't wait. I mean, I, the other thing is. The last thing I want for my Bond movies is, like, continuity and backstory. So these Daniel Craig movies, as much as I love Daniel Craig and think he, as a performer, is a great James Bond, I don't I don't need it. I don't want it. I want them all just to be standalone spies doing shit stories. And that's how all the movies were before. But then, you know, I don't know, for some reason now they've got to give him, like, character development. And fuck that. I don't I don't care for it. Casino Royale, the first one he did, is excellent. And it is quickly diminishing returns after that. But I love Daniel Craig just as an actor, but also I love him forever because he's done so many interviews where he's just like, James Bond is a piece of shit. You shouldn't like him. He is misogynistic and terrible. And that's bad. Yeah, but Emily, like... Our favorite actor, Rami Malek, is in this James Bond, too. Oh, that dude. And, of course, with it, like, like, and this is something that I, I will admit I never, I never thought about until I saw, like, people talking about it, which is that in James Bond does this a lot 
which is so many of the villains have facial deformities because obviously that equals evil in like it's just shorthand for evil in Hollywood and that's super fucked up that in 2021 we're still doing that shit and it is the case in this movie and it's it seems so retrograde and like man we need to stop doing that yeah we do it's really disheartening and just really sad to see yeah i'm not great i'm not happy about it speaking of things to be angry about i'm ready i'm fucking ready let's talk about ted lasso I love this show so much and I'm trying, I'm racking my brain to think about a time I have hated a character as much as I now hate Nate. I was so mad and I was really happy that I waited until last Thursday night to catch up on the last two episodes because life got in the way. Because, you know, the last episode, you know, hanging on the cliffhanger that it did, like, I was raging. The fact that Nate had told Trent Crin that Ted had that panic attack at that one match, like, that was insane. And not only that, but Nate kissing Keely without her fucking consent Mm-mm. Fuck not that okay. Fuck that. I was waiting the whole episode for that to happen, and when it did, I'm just I was so pissed. I have never been also like up so upset with the character, and that just shows like how fantastic the writing is. And it was really funny too because I always love reading what people have to say about you know Ted Lasso episodes or just just things in general. Like I'm a lurker, you know, like on Reddit or something mm-hmm. like. Bachelor Reddit, not Star Wars. Star Wars is fucking exhausting. And I have a Star <laughs> Wars podcast. But I saw this really great written trend or thread about how, you know, in season one, Nate was given this like underdog, like, you know, let's root for the underdog. And that's just like also like another really old trope where it's like we feel like we have to root for the underdog. But like, what if the underdog is a piece of shit? <laughs> and that's Nate. Like, yeah. I just, I, it's really sad to see just how Nate has evolved as a human being. And it's like, I don't know if this has to do with like, you know, he has really bad like mental health or, you know, just the abandonment. Like, I was really confused in this episode about how he was telling Ted that Ted abandoned him. And, you know, I was thinking, well, of course, like his his picture of with him and Ted isn't put on his desk because it's at home next to the picture of his fucking kid. And Ted doesn't need to explain that to Nate. But also, I think that if Nate really felt this way, then he should have fucking said something. But it's like, I know that's hard. So it's like I teeter back and forth with, you know, what I think about Nate versus like, what the fuck is Nate right now? Well, it's just like his his entitlement in terms of all, like when he was talking about how, oh, like when, when you know, Tad finally is like confronts him and it's like, why are you, why are you so mad? Like, what the fuck did I do? Only well, he says it in a nice Ted way. And, you know, like the whole like, oh, well, you know, this team would be nothing if it wasn't for me and blah, 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 blah. And like, like, 
fuck you, man. You have a job you would not have if it was not for Ted. And Ted and Beard have made this team. Like, you may have, like, strategies that have helped, absolutely. But this team would not be a team without Ted. And the, the like, all of it's terrible. And, I mean, God bless Trent Krim, who is now independent, for... <laughs> like sacrificing his job to let Ted know but like all it was terrible with Nate but the thing that like really pushed it over the edge for me like besides the tearing of the belief sign which is just such a stupid little like fuck you petty thing to do like that's just awful to everybody on the team and it's such a little bitch move but when he tells Ted oh you should be back in America with your son that is like that is like the line where I'm like okay I don't even want Nate to, Nate to be redeemed anymore fuck this character forever I just want him to get punched in the face and the fact that like no one cares to punch him in the face too is the best like that conversation when Nate was getting the courage to tell Roy that he kissed Keely and Roy's just like okay I forgive you and he's like well don't you want to sock me in the face like you would you did with Jamie? And he's like, no, I'm good. Like, I could feel the rage in him, you know, feeling like, you know, he's not a threat yeah. to Roy. And it just, it's amazing just how much has stemmed, you know, from him getting this position, all because of Ted's kind heart and him using Ted's heart to not only get what he wants, but to throw a fit about, you know what he can't have and i saw it early on from the season when he was giving um what's his name and i can't forget will. i mean i'm forgetting the name will sweet precious little will whose name i always fucking forget which i'm terrible for he is so mean to him like when he made that jersey for him and then he saw those terrible tweets one terrible one. tweet and just the attitude and the don't ever fucking embarrass me like that again or whatever the fuck he said it's only a nightmare because you like the whole like the whole like team rapport is built on ribbing each other and shit like that's one of the things when jamie comes back in the first episode and i forget who they're all ribbing but they're ribbing somebody and then jamie makes a comment and everybody's like dude you don't get to do that like, you don't get yeah. to be part of this. So, like, all of that was done so lovingly. But he, Nate is so deeply insecure. It is, it is like, a, maybe a weird comparison. But it's sort of like, like Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or any of those guys. You know, like the super deeply insecure little nerds who get power. And obviously, the level of power they have is extremely different. But it's that thing is they are not nice guys just because they like, you know, think, oh, they were bullied and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they're the nice guys. Like, no, they're not the nice guys. They were bullied and that's terrible. And this shit, like, obviously, like, Nate's dad fucking sucks. But and I was I was talking to Steve about this and he said something that I really liked, which is one of the main themes of the show is shitty people choose to be shitty. Because look at Jamie. Jamie has a terrible dad. Who I would say from what we've seen. Worse than Nate's dad. In a lot of ways. And Jamie has chosen to grow. And to be better. And he's still like. He's still an idiot. And a little bit of a fuckboy. But he is trying so hard. Like when he apologizes to Roy. He still thinks. 
that Roy is going to beat the shit out of him. But he he, he doesn't apologize to avoid getting beaten up because he thinks Roy is going to do it no matter what. But he takes that moment to apologize. And from what I could tell, very sincerely. And for Jamie to realize what he did was wrong and to own up for that is such a big moment. Yeah, it, it was a big moment, especially at the end of the game when he headbutts him and they go for a <laughs> hug. Like, I, I love their friendship, and I really think that it's going to evolve in the next season because I don't know what's going to happen with Keeley, and I don't know if I'm ready to talk about I, the I, the relationship. They can still work it out, and they need to because they are perfect together. But what I do like is... They haven't, like, I mean, yes, there was the little thing where he doesn't tell the teacher he's in a relationship and that little moment and everything, but they didn't, they didn't, like, introduce problems by, you know, some stupid fight where they're, you know, like, misunderstanding each other and it's not, you know, a third party involved because their their problems aren't really about the teacher. They're not really about Jamie. These are two people who love each other a lot and are still having problems because they're people and that happens. And I think that is something rare to see in TV where it's not an external problem and it's not like lack of love for each other. It's just sometimes things are really hard even if you love each other dearly and only want what's best for each other. Yeah, one thing I really like about this show, too, is that it shows real relationships and, like, how they're not perfect. Like, I'm really loving how not everything is 100%, you know, peaches and cream with Keely and Roy. And that's what happens in relationships is there's, you know, issues, there's problems that arise. And especially, you know, Keely got this amazing opportunity and she's not going to work for the team anymore. And, you know, of course, it's going to be hard on their relationship. But also, Roy, sweetie, like, she just got a new job. Like, she's not going to go on vacation with you for, for six, six weeks. I know weeks. that. Buddy, but you can tell how insecure he's starting to feel and how sweet it was that he was bombed that his picture didn't make it and that spread. I love him, like, <laughs> asking for a meeting of the Diamond Talks. That was adorable. I love Roy Kent more than just about anything. And no, I I firmly believe they will work it out in season three. Also, I'm so like, I didn't, I knew Sam was going to stay. But I liked his little speech to Ted. <laughs> about how it's not, it's not. I'm not stay. I wish I could say I was staying because of how I feel about you, but this is about me, and my, I don't think my journey here is done yet. And they just, Jason Sudeikis played it so well, which is the extreme awkwardness on Ted's face as he clicks to what's going on, and then we just says to Rebecca, uh, "I think he was talking to you and not me." I'm just like, oh, "I love you, Ted Lasso." Yeah, that was really great. And I'm really glad that Sam's not leaving too and that Sam's opening up that restaurant. Oh, yes. I thought that was great. Um, the other thing, and this was sort of the... What I liked is they didn't dwell on, on it because the show is really good at that, which is doing big things and not verbally having somebody tell you that's what's going on like other shows do. And that is 
Jamie giving up the penalty shot to Danny and not taking the glory for himself. But they don't have somebody, you know, they don't have somebody say, oh, Jamie, that was very big and mature of you and you've grown so much because they trust their audience to understand that, that that is a big moment for that character, that is a big change for that character. And when Danny looks over and sees the adorable little puppy. Oh, my little greyhound puppy. I saw two greyhounds today on my walk and I was just so happy. I love those dogs. I I don't know if I've told you about my about my future. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, it's my my I'm I'm telling you about my future. So, uh, we I haven't decided yet, but I've, I've always wanted a greyhound. I don't know where it stemmed from, you know, but I've always wanted to adopt a greyhound, preferably like one of those greyhounds that, you know, they used to race in China, come here. Like, I want to rescue. Mm-hmm. I want to rescue a greyhound. And for some reason, I'm, I'm really hoping because it's like, I don't want to change their name because I know how difficult that is because like, I don't want, you know, a dog to get used to something. And th- that's just a lot of change. I don't want to put on a dog, but. I really want to get a greyhound named Bingo. Like that's that's, <laughs> very that's cute. it. Like I I don't know where Bingo came from, but it's funny too because like Carlos and I always have these like hypothetical conversations about Bingo. Like Bingo exists, he's just not here yet. So we're we always are like, oh, like we could take Bingo here. <laughs> and my family gets so confused sometimes. So they're like, are you guys getting a dog? Like no, like we're we're not gonna put a dog. In a 650-square-foot apartment. Yeah, especially no, not a greyhound. Especially, especially a big dog like Bingo. Like, no. But those greyhound puppies were adorable in this episode, and that made me really happy. I realized, like, I was, I was like, watching, like, oh, I've seen plenty of greyhounds, but I don't know if I've ever seen greyhound puppies before. And greyhound puppies are so cute. And also, Higgins just looks so sweet there. I love Higgins. I love Higgins, too. I love how Haley was going to him advice about how to tell Rebecca that she was leaving. And then when she tells Rebecca, like, that sweet moment with them about, like, you know, what advice would I give? Yeah. And, or that I would give and to hire your best friend. Oh, that made me so happy. I, I really love them. And it, how sad I am for Haley that she's leaving. I'm really glad that she got this opportunity because she really deserves it. Like, she's grown so much since season one. And she's really found her passion and what she's really good at doing. And that makes me really happy. You know, it'll give her opportunity to grow and possibly like her and Roy's relationship to grow too. Because that's what happens. Like when you get like a brand new opportunity and a bunch of change happens, you know, you want to change with your partner. And, you know, sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. But it's like you need to learn to grow together. And that's what makes your relationship stronger. So I definitely think that, you know, they have what it takes to, you know, continue on and be happy. And also, too, I was really surprised. I really thought that, you know, she was going to get back with Jamie for a second because after he revealed to her at the funeral that he was still in love with her and, you know, she was telling Roy about it. Like, I was I was really worried, but it was my fault for worrying because it's like I should trust Keely and, you know, what she wants and, you know, what she thinks is right. And she knew that was wrong to to do. But I was really proud of her for telling Roy, but probably not the best time. But hey, I'm I'm glad that she told him. Yeah, I just I they they have such chemistry together, and even like when you see like interviews with um with her Juno Temple and um 
and Brett. Like they're always so like they seem to love those characters and love each other. And it makes me very happy because they're just great. And I don't know. I, you know, as soon as Rebecca learns that Rupert has bought West Ham, I'm like, okay, that's where Nate's ending up. But I was hoping against hope we would see the team find out what Nate has done. But obviously, Ted is Ted. And he's such a good guy. He's not going to let that happen. Like, I wanted I wanted Beard to go for Nate so bad. And when, when he just looks at him, like, stone cold, and is like, I'll headbutt you, Nate. That is one of my favorite Coach Beard moments ever. But because Coach Beard, you know, like, he's not going to do anything Ted doesn't want him to do with that. Because it's Ted, you know, like, it's between Ted and Nate. And, and Beard knows Ted enough to know that that's not how it's going to be. But still, it, I just, I just, I, I know the show is about like being, like trying to make people better and to like not be, you know, consumed by anger and revenge and believing in the power of being good. But also, I just wanted to see Nate get punched in the face. And who knows? It might happen. And maybe it's going to be great that we're going to wait so long for it to happen and it will. But. I also love too that it hasn't happened yet because we get because he wants to be punched in the face. Like that's what he wants and he's not getting it. And I love how Beard knew immediately that it was Nate and how he's having that conversation with Ted about, you know, what are you going to do about it, you know? And just how, you know, like Dr. Sharon and how she was telling Ted that, you know, he needs to face his fears and everything and I'm so glad that Ted was able to confront Nate about that because like that's something that like I would never guess that like Ted would have done because he doesn't like to confront people and he wants to see like the best in everyone but also you shouldn't see the best in someone who tells a reporter that you had an anxiety attack and then his speech about how you know sports and mental health and how important that is and how that shouldn't be mocked anymore and that should be respected you know that Mental health is a big deal, especially for athletes and, you know, sports. That is huge. Yeah, I thought I thought that was great. And and the other episode, like, I, I hope Dr. Sharon comes back next season because <clears throat> she's wonderful. And I love her rapport with Ted. But the the acting that Jason Sudeikis does when he's reading the letter that she wrote to him, the goodbye letter. I'm just like, dude, he's so good. And I didn't realize it until this show. Like, I never disliked him, but I never, like, I just, he was just one of those guys who I never thought about anyway because he wasn't doing, like, shit that I cared about. He is so fucking good on this show. Like, both the funny stuff and the serious stuff, he just absolutely nails. And nobody else could play Ted Lasso. Nobody else could create Ted Lasso. And just God bless him and God bless this show. Yeah, I'm really glad this show exists. I'm really glad that I did end up watching it, even though I did think that it was some, like, sports drama fun thing. Because thank God, like, they don't focus too much on the sports aspect. Oh, no. Thank God. Oh, oh, the other fuck you Nate moment is when they tie the game and they're going to go back into the and everybody's celebrating. And Nate's, like, pissed off that he's being left out. But the only, like, he is leaving himself out. Everybody else runs out to the field. But because people don't come running to him to congratulate him on his brilliant strategy, the one he wanted to 
disavow as soon as it wasn't working. Like, he's all like, oh, you know, like, I'm not getting anything. Like, go out. Like, they would celebrate with you if you went out to celebrate with them. You're the one who was doing this to yourself. He makes me so annoyed. Like, I've never seen a person before that has made me this annoyed in their behavior. And that's Nate. Like, he he just takes all, all the tax. And he, he's just infuriating. Like just his entitlement, like entitlement that just pisses me off that he thinks he's so entitled to like all of these things, you know, from, we should have seen it, you know, from the comments that he made, like when he was making those reservations at the restaurant and then he like all of a sudden he asks out the waitress, like just the inappropriate stuff. And well, and also the fact that just his behavior, the fact that his way to get confidence is like spitting on himself in the mirror. Like, that, that is not mentally healthy. <laughs> like, Rebecca's is to make herself as big as possible. And his is this angry thing instead. And it's funny because I was thinking, like, you know, we've talked before about how much we hate Rupert. But the thing about Rupert is Rupert knows he's a piece of shit. Nate thinks he's the good guy and thinks he's the victim. And fuck him forever. Though also... If you are somebody on Twitter, I don't think this is any of our listeners, but if you are somebody on Twitter sending Nick Muhammad shitty messages because this is a character he plays, you need to greatly reevaluate your life. I'll pay for your first first therapy session. People people are really have problems discerning reality. I don't think that people know reality because it's like they see the show and they think it's real. Like they think that Ted Lasso is a real person. How cool would that be though? Like Ted Lasso being real. Like I would want Ted Lasso to install my television and to marry Carlos and I. That'd be nice, right? (laughs) I want him to make me biscuits even if he uses salt instead of sugar. And the fact that she still ate them, too, just warms my heart. And, like, they were probably still good with salt. <laughs> that sneaky bitch. <laughs> Dude, she seemed to really like them after the shock of the first bite. I would eat I would eat a salted shortbread. No, probably it's not great if you made it completely with salt with zero sugar. But, like, a salty shortbread, I think, would be very good. I love salt and sweet together. It just still makes me so happy that it's Ted that makes them and that we thought for so long that he was just getting them from somewhere, but it's just him making shortbread every morning for Rebecca. And like buying those boxes. and He's just so good. I can't say enough how good Ted is and how, how shitty Nate is, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know where Nate's character is going to go in the third season. That's going to air like a year from now, which I'm not so happy about, but think of all the amazing things that'll happen a year from now. Like, uh, celebration, uh, Kenobi, um, wait, Andor, Big Off will be finished. Oh yeah, Andor. Sorry, Catherine. Uh, I'm looking at Porgs, so possibly more Porgs in my future. Probably not. They're all over my apartment. And Ooh, I swear to God. Yeah, I think you might get more Porgs because there was an announcement today. Sorry to break into Star Wars news, but the Disney cruise ship is doing like an like their kids program like the oceaneers program whatever the fuck it's called is starting up a immersive star wars experience where you're like 
taking care of Star Wars creatures like Lothcats and Porgs, and you learn about them and you feed them and stuff. So I would think that means they're probably going to be making more Porg merchandise. Well, then a lot more Porgs are going to fall off the couch. That's that's exciting. I know my mom and my sister are on a Disney cruise right now, and I am slightly feeling FOMO. I'm not too. I don't think I'm like ready to go on a cruise ship yet. Like no. I went to a concert the other night, and it was it was busy, and I was really nervous before because like crowds now make me scared. So I have to always remind myself that I always forget because I was so annoyed because I was so excited. And then like I get to fucking Panera and I just like lose my shit. Like I'm nervous and then I don't know what I'm going to order from Panera. And then just all the inside anxieties come up and like that's that is what I felt like. And I that is not okay. And I don't think I would have been okay on a cruise ship. But no, because then like you can't uh, even like leave if you do have a panic attack. Yeah, I I could always run to another place of food, though, because that's the one best thing about a cruise is that there's food everywhere. And especially a Disney cruise, there's Disney everywhere. It it was so cute. Um, My mom got like a a missed call like the night before her cruise and um, she she missed it. And she was wondering which number it was. And my sister had scheduled a phone call with Mickey Mouse to... um, to congratulate her or to you know say how excited he was that he's gonna see her on the cruise soon and my mom was just so happy like i think she almost cried just of how excited she was that mickey mouse and minnie mouse gave her a phone call saying that they were excited to see her soon on the cruise oh that's adorable yeah it was really wholesome i know i've been getting lots of pictures they like decorated their i have to show you this picture but they they decorated their like hotel room door because I guess it's a thing for like Disney stuff where ugh, people decorate their doors. I I, I got to show you like this is this is insane. What like you do with like dorm rooms? Yeah, but this is like on crack. I don't know, but I'm happy for them. Feeling uh kind of FOMO a little bit, you know, seeing their you know many little ears on the door not seeing mine there but you know it's it's fine my ears are here with you so and i'm safe here in this apartment with my lovely candles um so yeah i'm happy how are you going with bake-off bake-off is good bake-off is really good especially this last week bread Bread week week. i love bread week phenomenal giuseppe is god giuseppe lucked out to a certain degree and that like the first two challenges were both italian things but also he obviously just has mad skill and he just seems nice i like him and i like jürgen i mean i like everybody because it's bake-off and they don't have assholes generally speaking but those two are my favorites and i want them to be the two in the final and then i want them both to win I know, but Jurgen's baby, just uh, Jurgen, my dude. Like, don't make a baby and have to put it in the oven. Like, that's yeah. not gonna look great. Yeah. The the challenge was to make like bread sculptures, basically. And Jurgen, bless his heart, because his wife suggested it, decided to make a baby out of bread. It is <laughs> slightly creepy looking, but. 
I don't know. I liked it. I the, uh, the whole show is so wholesome and good. Bread week is hard because then all I want to do is eat bread. And most of the time, all I want to do is eat bread anyway because bread is delicious. Bread is delicious and the new Twitter layout fucking sucks. Oh, did you just get it? But <laughs> Yes. Oh, I was scrolling and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Am I on Instagram? It's so weird because normally when I've gotten updates before, it's like when I have updated the app or will go into the app again but my update happened while i was like had the app open like i went from my dms back to my timeline and suddenly my time timeline is all weird it looks like now every tweet looks like how it used to look when you click on a tweet to like you know like when you click on a tweet and then it comes up bigger but that's just every tweet in your timeline now i hate it I I really hate it. Thanks. Uh, who who does uh, Facebook? Jack? No, uh, no, Twitter, Jack. Come on, Jack. But but you know, Bake Off's really good. Um I'm surprised. I think her name's Amanda, the um the cop. Her fucking octopus was really good. Like she did really good this episode. Yeah. And um I forget her name, but she has the pink hair. You know the one who did the pig and then she had that really sad story about her pig slipped on ice and they had to put it down. Oh my god, that was the tragedy. <laughs> I really like her. She's so fucking funny. And she just her and Paul together, like just the jokes and them going back and forth with each other. They're really good. Like we have some really good bakers. Like last week, I swear, like the first challenge, like no one did bad. And I've never seen that before in Bake Off, you know, so early yeah. on that like everyone was consistent. And I mean, at least like one or two people was like, I was a little overbaked. And especially with this challenge, too. Like everyone's shit is good. It just has to do with like how long you prove it for and, you know, making sure like everything stays consistent. And I mean, it sucks that, you know, these the last couple bakers have been getting out, but it's like I believe, you know, 100% that it's rightfully so. Like I'm not like, yeah. oh my God, this person shouldn't have gotten out because it's like I agree. But yeah, Bread Week is always fun. And Bread Week was just so precious too because Giuseppe was really emotional after that handshake. And the fact that Paul wanted that one of the recipe oh my god that was amazing i just yeah like because obviously like it's like it's not you know it's not just like that he's baking well it's like he's baking well using techniques that his like grandmother taught him and that's not cool and also i've made focaccia before it's fucking hard my focaccia tasted like shit like it was like the texture was all wrong it was really rough and i just i'm just like i just want i love baking bread but and then I see them do it, and I'm like, okay, I have actual no discernible skills whatsoever. Yeah, focaccia is really hard. Oh, God, you know who used to have really good focaccia was, was sweet tomatoes. They used to have the best focaccia. Is that soup plantation? I, yes. I I want to say like sweet tomatoes instead of soup plantation because soup, like, plantation soup plantation is super yeah, very, bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, I miss it so much. I. That, that was one of the things, unfortunately, that like the pandemic, you know, that really affected was sweet tomatoes and sweet tomatoes focaccia bread and so many other things for sweet tomatoes. Like their their salads, like their Caesar salad is like one of the best Caesar salads I've ever had in my life. And I will miss it forever. But that is room for more Caesar salads to come into my life and to. Yeah, but focaccia is so good and it's so hard to make because it's like you have to make sure that they get the little air bubbles you know yeah. so that it looks 
it, you have to make it look great. And that's one of the things too, because it's like with food, sometimes it's like, whatever, I can fuck up on this is fine. But it's like, you need to do that because that affects like the taste of it and the texture of it. And there's so much that just goes into it. I swear to God though, the one that Christielle did with the grapes and the feta, like that was delicious. Shit, that sounded so good. Roasted gra- I never would have thought of like roasted grapes and feta and, and bread. It sounded amazing. Like when I made focaccia, like my flavor was fine, but the, the texture was just wrong. And because if you make other bread, because they talked about this in the episode is focaccia dough is so wet. If you're used to baking other bread, it seems wrong. And that is a hard instinct to fight against. Now I really want focaccia. I was going to make dinner after this episode, but now I want to do is make focaccia. And that's going to take forever. And that's going to be a lot of carbs. I'm going to be really sad after eating. No, I'm kidding. Focaccia sounds good. And bread week is always good. And I'm so excited that bread week was like really early on this season. So we really got to see like a lot of people shine that I wasn't really, you know, sure, you know, who they were as bakers yet. I like Chigs. I don't know where Chigs is going. Chigs is kind of in the middle. I liked him. But and I like, I like, I like Chigs. Chigs. I like George. I felt bad for George when he like remade his dough because he didn't put enough water in and then he still didn't put enough water in. I'm like, oh, George, you got to trust the recipe, man. I love George. George is so funny. His koala was really cute. I was really impressed. That was super cute. Yeah, he's he's always really close. So yeah. I, I think that the next couple of challenges he'll he'll start to get it soon. Um, yeah, hopefully he hits whatever the thing like is that is like his you know specialty. I hope that he makes it however long that is, because I just want him to like really shine for one week. Because I don't think he's making it all the way to the end. But I think, oh God, no. but I would like to see him like, you know, like be star baker once before he goes, just because he seems very nice and very insecure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like one handshake will, will change that. I want more handshakes. Like Paul needs to be a little nicer. The fact that this is our first handshake in three episodes, because I remember back like a couple of seasons ago when like people were getting handshakes like the, during their first like challenge. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. But we, we haven't seen the handshake. I was so excited when we saw it. Like, I knew that we would probably get it this week because it was bread week. But, oh, and just made it so better that he asked for the recipe, too. I, th- I think that was, like, y- you know, in baseball where you hit the home run, but then you hit it out of the park. Like, that was, like, the out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, Emily... Um, God, is there anything else that we need to discuss? I don't think there's much going on in Star Wars other than, you know, some books. <laughs> Book of Boba. Uh, so Book of Boba is coming out December 29th. Christmas. They're just making that 2021 cutoff. No trailer, but we'll probably get it tomorrow because that's how things happen. We're getting that Disney day. Oh, yeah, Disney Day. Um, yeah, Disney Day is coming up. I'm so excited for Disney Day. And what's funny, too, is that uh, Disney Day. The, do you know what else is on Disney Day, Emily? What's that? Red Taylor's version is out on Disney Day. Disney Plus Day. Oh, okay. Like, that was a good album. Red is 
the breakup album. And it's that for perfect fall album of when you're going through something rough and just it just is beautiful. It's, it's kind of it's the perfect album to listen to. Just like the seasonal Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I can't look at Jake Gyllenhaal the same anymore. Like, he created such a beautiful album. Or he helped Taylor. And just the tragedy from that relationship that created this album, that birthed this album. Like, it just, it's amazing. Like, just, I could go into many details with Eric Struthers for this. But Eric Struthers is not here, unfortunately. So, I, I can't do it, Emily. I have to talk to him. Maybe we should do something for Red Taylor's version because I believe that we did something for some Taylor Swift thing. But maybe I got to reach out to him. Let's see what Eric Struthers is doing in Eric Struthers land. Yeah, you should do that. Oh, I am um, speaking yeah. of doing things with other people. I just recorded and it's out now an episode of Rogue Rebels with our great buddy Sal. And we talked about um, Justina Ireland's high republic book out of the shadows and it was a lot of fun because we also talked about ted lasso because i can't not talk about ted lasso and sal is also a big fan of ted lasso and that made me happy sal paralysis is a gift to this planet he's so nice like this is the thing is i like i love recording with him because he's a blast to talk to but there's two problems one is which it's a family show, so I got to go, okay, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear, because I don't want to have to like, edit a lot, because I I mean, obviously, you know me. Look at our podcast. I swear a lot. It's sort of punctuation, so it's a hard habit to break, but also he's so he loves things so much and is so positive about shit that I, I don't want to be mean about things. And I do, I genuinely did like this book. There's not, like, it's not like I wanted to shit on this book anyway, but I do have to go, I'm so often such a negative person that I I try very hard to squash that when I'm talking with him because he is maybe the person I know who is closest to being Ted Lasso. You know, I've never seen Ted Lasso and Sal Prowse in a room <laughs> together, so... That's his secret identity. His secret identity is an even nicer man. What a concept that is. But, you know, Sal's amazing. Sal's just such a good guy. We need to have Sal on sometime. We need to, like, actually, like, I feel like this year, like, life's been just getting in the way so much. Because it's, like, I feel like the past, like, two months, like, we've only recorded, like, three times. Look, there's been a lot of shit. We've had not the greatest last couple of months. There's been a lot of things. Like, you know, there's I was being sick and then the flood and then just like personal shit for both of us that we won't go into. But yeah, it's been, we've been inconsistent and I want to get consistent again. I was so excited when we did two episodes in a row and then we hit that third week and I'm like, oh no, this is not, this is not going to happen. <laughs> but look, we're trying. And also it's not like, I mean, I know we're not like, nobody's tuning in to us to hear like the Star Wars news. But it's not, there's not like there's been anything big in Star Wars. I'm like, we need to talk about this. Because, like, what are we going to talk about? Like, I'd I don't want to talk about, like, the Star Wars books coming out that sound like shit. Like, where, like, Lando and Luke are looking for Exegol or some fucking bullshit. Like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to talk about that book. It'll just make me think of Rise of Skywalker, which makes me mad. 
And maybe I would like the idea of a Obi-Wan as a Padawan book, but it's written by this woman who wrote a Buffy book that I fucking hated and was a big pile of shit. So I'm not excited about that either. And I forget what the third book is, but uh, look, I'm not the most positive person. Chris Hall has been giving me shit about this lately. I know we praised him earlier and his artwork, but he's like, nah, he's been talking a lot about how I like like five things and everything else is bullshit. And that is not entirely fair, but it's also partially what? fair. Wait, what are those five things? Like, I don't remember. Because uh, it started, we were on, we were having a Skype call with a bunch of people one time and he was like, People decided the fun thing because I I don't I don't care about music, which I realize is a weird thing, but I don't. I'm the same way. I don't either. Like, th- I have music that I listen to that I really really like, and beyond that, I do not care. But so they decided to like just start listing bands and ask me what I thought about them, and every single one was I don't care. It wasn't like I hate that band, you know. It was like it was like Radiohead and Black Sabbath and you know like Nick Cave and like very important seminal bands. And my reaction to every single one was basically, they're fine. They're fine. I don't care. Like someone would be like, they're very important or I understand sub- like objectively they're very talented, but I don't care. I don't want to listen to them and their stupid, sad bastard music. <laughs> so, so that has become, I don't like anything except like five things. Uh, uh, I, Rogue One is one of them. Uh, Nirvana, and I can't remember the other ones. Oh, Ted Lasso, obviously. There were a, you like Nirvana that much? I love Nirvana. Nirvana is wow. Nirvana is great. But also, just also that just happened to be one of the bands that they brought up. That was like one of the only bands where I'm like, no, 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 I actually do genuinely love them. But anyway, oh, when we were talking about Chris Hall's art, we did not mention he does a podcast. Listen to Scruffy Looking Podcasters. It is one of the Star Wars podcasts that I listen to because much like us, they often don't talk about Star Wars, but even their Star Wars stuff is good and they're all funny and good boys and they want to do an episode with us and we need to arrange that soon. I'm going to message Ed right now. Oh, there you go. Right now, as as I speak. I think that Ed, like I said, hey, you guys want to do an episode? Yeah. That was like a year ago, right? (laughs) Ed, we need to do an episode ASAP as soon as possible. Yeah, and then we can like both put it out. Like we can put it up on both of our feeds. Perfect. Because Ed and Chris and Jimmy and Kev all consistently make me laugh very hard. And they have a great dynamic. And they are good boys and I love them. So they could be on the list of things they're- that I like. So fuck you, Chris Hall, who does not listen to our show, I'm pretty sure. I'm not even saying that as a, like, you know, as a fuck you. That's just like a, I don't care. I, you know, again, like I, I don't listen to that many Star Wars podcasts because there's not much going on in Star Wars. I don't listen to like any anymore because it's like I feel bad I haven't listened to them for so long. So, like, I worry about, like, what jokes I've missed out on or, like, what Haas is laughing about now or <laughs> I don't know. I but yeah. And I do, I do listen to – I don't want to, like, list the ones that I listen to because then I feel bad about ones that I'm not listening to. 
But also, if I was listening to every podcast that everyone I know did, I would not have time to do anything else. And I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately. Yeah, but also too, like I I listen to like the like one one side of the Sith list every week. So like I'm forced to listen to like the things that like Carlos incorrectly says or something. Because there's always at least like one fact that he gets wrong. So like I'm sitting there texting him as soon as possible. Like the movie comes out in September, not October. <laughs> like, uh, it's funny. Or, or that Millie just, Bobby Brown should play a young 11 and the rumored Stranger Things spinoff. Uh, Emily, let me fill you in on like a little secret. Like Carlos, like ninety percent of the time is like he, he's like a twelve year old playing like computer games on his computer while he's recording <laughs> the podcast. So I don't even know if he knows what he says sometimes on that podcast. I'm never sure when he is just fucking with people, and when he genuinely just says something that is like outstanding. And no offense, outstandingly stupid. No, I agree because I don't know either. Like I've been dating him for almost four years now, and he could say something just like with a straight face, like that car is blue, and I would believe him. And then I'd look, and the car is red, and I'm like, "What the fuck? Why'd you tell me that?" Like he is just so good, and maybe just like we're all bad at reading him, but he's just so good at faking it. It's just it's so the funniest thing in the world because he can convince you, like he can convince you that that table over there is orange when it's actually green. And like, even though you see that it is green, he can convince you that it's orange. Like, I don't, I don't know like where this came from because like no one in his family is like that, but it's amazing. So yeah, I I don't know. I, I, he says shit sometimes and it's like, I, I don't know where it comes from, you know, sweet, sweet, lovely Carlos. Like, I don't know where it comes from. Like, so the, the fact that he said that Millie Bobby Brown thing and that he kept responding with gifts, like, that is the most Carlos thing ever, is responding with gifts and saying something completely out there. What I appreciate about Carlos is when he gets called out for saying something dumb, he just, like, digs into it. He's not like, oh, yeah, I don't know what I was saying. I don't know why I said that. Or, I, oh, no, you just interpreted me wrong. He's just, like, embraces it and dives in wholeheartedly. And decides to, like, defend whatever stupid thing he said. And that he, th- I don't know, it makes me laugh very hard. Yeah, he, he wants to go down fighting. And I, I appreciate that about him. But especially, like, when he's wrong on something. I'm like, no, the chair is not orange. It's green. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm looking at a chair right now. And I'm 100% sure that it's, like, a wooden chair. So I really don't want him to come in here and tell me that it's not because then I'll feel like I'm losing it. But, but yeah, that was interesting. I, I can't wait to see what more things that he has to say on the podcast. But also to check out the Sith List. They're a fun podcast of fun dudes talking about mostly Star Wars. I'm like, they're so fucking professional. Like they have a Raj who has like a whole fucking sound system and a whole board and they do things and they have different genres of topics and it's just so organized and just takes a lot of work and look we talked about we talked about venom 2 we talked about bake-off we talked about star wars for about three minutes 
I think we have a wide variety of topics that we cover here on the Candidate Dispatch. Oh, it is a wide variety of topics, but it just it's it's a lot of work. Just and then there's YouTube too. Oh, like fuck that God. shit. Never doing that. Ugh, YouTube is just that's a whole. Carlos doesn't even do that because. I don't know. Uh, it's but, not happening. I'm never doing that. I, got, yeah, I, I don't know either. I don't even. I like, I will like when Steel's like, "Hey, do you want to be on the show tonight?" I'll be like, "Okay, I'll come on your show tonight." I do. I gotta say, always because it always is the same. Like the same day, it always is like a couple hours before a message from Steel being like, "Hey, do you want to be on the show tonight?" I'm like, "Who did he originally have booked? Who <laughs> backed out?" that can't do the show so i'm stepping in but that's fine but that's the that's the like limit to the stuff i'm going to do on youtube i don't want video well if it's thursday if it's thursdays then i might know because they think a certain thing happens to steel's channel on thursdays yes that's very true yeah oh well we did it we recorded a podcast what an accomplishment. I can't wait to do it next week if we get there. Yeah, we'll see. Like, I don't even want to be like, see you guys next week because uh, hopefully, but God only knows. Exactly. And I already have to reschedule on Halloween. So there's that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Yeah. Hall- Halloween is a lot. This, this month is a lot with, with traveling and, oh, not traveling, just going to go hiking and then like, Thanks, not Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is next. That's 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 not for a long time, which I'm so excited for. I I found my love for stuffing this last <sighs> Thanksgiving, and I just I want more stuffing. Like God stuffing damn. is just a gift from heaven, like sal paralysis. So, <laughs> stuffing and sal paralysis; those are two good things. I used to, and honestly, if I had it in the house, I would still do this: is just eat as a snack, drive stove stop stuffing mix. Because, I mean, because it's, like, it's such concentrated, like, umami, savory flavor. And, like, it's all, like, crunchy and good, like, eating, like, nuts or crackers or something. One of my favorite snacks as a kid. And then my mom would get mad because she'd go to make stuffing for dinner and there would not be enough stuffing left in the kitchen. Because it wasn't just, like, the single boxes of so stuff. It was, like, the, you know, like, make any amount, like, big, like, canisters of it. And so she'd go, you know, she'd go to make stuffing for dinner and there would not be enough stuffing, and then I would get in trouble. Yeah, you see, I'm weird. I like it cold. Like it's fine, warm, but like if, if I like grab it and it's in the fridge for a couple hours, like I'm I'm still happy as fuck to no, eat it. Very good that way. Also, very good that way on a turkey sandwich with some cranberry sauce. Fuck. Thanksgiving is going to be fucking lethal. And especially like my family likes to have like a like Thanksgiving part two, like the day after Christmas. I'm so excited. The holidays are going to be really fun and I get to buy Halloween decorations or no, not Halloween decorations. Christmas decorations. I already have my Christmas rug ready to go. It's under the bed preparing to be under the door at 12 o'clock a.m. on November 1st. I already have my Christmas tree um, inside my storage closet. I have my Christmas lights inside my storage closet. Like, I am preparing for the jolliest holiday season in San Diego. And 
I can't wait. I already have. I, I have so many things ready, but I still have to go get some Christmas decorations. I know I've been trying to hit some like good goodwills to buy Christmas decorations because I'm not going to pay full price because I'd rather, you know, recycle decorations so that, you know, recycling is good. I don't have any decorations, decorations, but I do have two little Christmas Lego sets that I bought that I have not put together yet because currently I have out my Frankenstein brickhead that I did and it is out on display with my other Halloween stuff, but I have a Christmas penguin with a Christmas tree and also one of the brickheads they did was a nutcracker. So I have that. So those boxes are put away. And then after Thanksgiving, because that is when Christmas decorations are allowed to go out, I will put those Lego sets together and display them. Right now I have a little creepy Halloween garland that I got from the dollar store that's all like, you know, like silver and purple and it has little holographic skulls on it. And I have a gourd and I have out some of my horror stuff. And some, including some, like, I bought a Frankenstein and a uh, Michael Myers print from Chris Hall, who's getting a lot of mentions this episode. But so I have, like, sort of the top of one of my shelves all Halloweened out. But then, uh, I mean, I guess the scary stuff will go away, but the gourd and some of the fall stuff will stay out until Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, Christmas can start. Fuck you, Chris Fresh. After Thanksgiving. I realize you guys in Australia do not celebrate Thanksgiving, but you just said, Brittany, November 1st, Christmas. No, can't do it. Well, can we do it and still say fuck you, Chris Fresh? Yeah, I mean, I'm all, look, I'm always going to support somebody saying fuck you, Chris Fresh. But yeah, that's fine. Great, <laughs> great, 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 great. We, we are ending on a great note. Yeah, we should probably end because partially because we've been going for an hour and 15 minutes and have not you know have any like fuck star wars who cares but also i really do need to pee so we should probably end soon oh my god me too i was sitting here thinking like i have to urinate i've had like three glasses of wine i really need to pee oh my god yeah i've been i've been i've been trying to drink like so much water lately i'm 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 on this like healthy kick where like i'm I'm just doing too much and my bladder's like, help me and empty me. So let's empty our bladders and tell us where you can find you and the podcast on social media. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. You can also email us CantoBitePod at gmail.com. You know, send us your thoughts on Bake Off or Ted Lasso or Star Wars, I guess, if you want to. Or you can send us... Uh, fuck Mary Kills, which we haven't done in a while. Bad Watch, which we haven't done in forever. But do that. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at EFWind, mostly bitching about stuff and posting pictures of food. Brittany, where are you? I am on Instagram and Twitter as Canto Brit. Awesome. So hopefully, if everything works out, we will talk to you all next week bye bye here we go Yo, 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 and away we go It's time to serenade my girl Lindo Sorry the ladies where I had to say no But if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto No shame in the game Make even Rogue One seem tame But I blame it on Brit 
it with a ginger main main, yeah, that's fire. Love on the rocks, leaves the love on my socks. Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked, especially when y'all truly whips out his cock. Canto bite, episode 100. Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time. I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes. My top three running through my head, you know. So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo. My girls E and B deserve congratulations. Our adulation for the weekly creation. My last celebration was all about them, but this time I gotta drop lines for our friends. This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies, Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch with Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team and had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream that made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo and throw back some brew Fish tacos and San Fran, you know we approve Rebecca from Perth, I haven't met you yet Last shout to Frushy dude, I didn't forget this is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grosso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and Horse B at Scum and Villainy King Tom, Death Watch, the most regal of fathers Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time, so I shout a Raj too You know the list ain't complete without Lesson Boo this is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Now if I didn't say your name, don't feel no shame You love the fun, the games, and refresher bangs Hang on every word of Lindo's fanfic Where she describes every vein in Mendo's dick Spread the word, maybe buy a t-shirt I don't know, maybe ask the girls if Yaddle squirts Take your CBD, send in your top three, And you'll always be a bitch like me Get him, Eric. Yeah.